Chapter 7 of The Horse and His Boy, a Chronicles of Narnia series by C.S. Lewis. What had really happened was this. When Erebus saw Shasta hurried away by the Narnians and found herself alone with two horses who very wisely wouldn't say a word, she never lost her head even for a moment. She grabbed Bree's halter and stood still, holding both the horses, and though her heart was beating as hard as a hammer, she did nothing to show it. As soon as the Narnian lords had passed, she tried to move on again. But before she could take a step, another crier, Brother, all or bother, all these people, thought Erebus, was heard shouting out, Way, way, way for the Tarquina Lacerline! And immediately following the crier came four armed slaves and then four bearers, carrying a litter which was all a flutter with silken curtains, and all a jingle with silver bells, and which scented the whole street with perfumes and flowers. <coughs> After the litter, female slaves in beautiful clothes, and then a few grooms, runners, pages, and the like. And now Erebus made her first mistake. She knew Lazareline quite well, almost as if they had been at school together, because they had often stayed in the same houses and, and been to the same parties. And Erebus couldn't help looking up to see what Lazareline looked not like now that she was married and a very great person indeed. And it was fatal. The eyes of the two girls met, and immediately Lazareline sat up in the litter and burst out at the top of her voice. Erebus, what on earth are you doing here? Your father! There was not a moment to lose. Without a second's delay, Erebus let go the horses, caught the edge of the litter, swung herself up beside Lazareline, and whispered furiously in her ear. Shut up, do you hear? Shut up! You must hide me. Tell your people! "'But, darling,' began Lazareline in the same loud voice. She didn't in the least mind making people stare. In fact, she rather liked it. "'Do what I tell you, or I'll never speak to you again,' hissed Erebus. "'Please, please, be quick, lass. It's frightfully important. Tell your people to bring those two horses along. Put all the, cur the curtains of the litter and get away somewhere where I can't be found. And do hurry!' "'All right, darling,' said Lazareline in her lazy voice. "'Here, two of you take the Tarquina's horses,' this was to the slaves, "'and now home. I say, darling, do you think we really want the curtains drawn on a day like this? I mean to say—' But Erebus had already drawn the curtains, enclosing Lazareline and herself in a rich and scented but rather stuffy kind of tent. "'I mustn't be seen,' she said. "'My father doesn't know I'm here. I'm running away.' "'My dear, how perfectly thrilling!' said Lazareline. "'I'm dying to hear all about it. "'Darling, you're sitting on my dress. Do you mind?' "'That's better. It is a new one. Do you like it? "'I got it at—' "'Oh, lass, do be serious,' said Erebus. "'Where is my father?' "'Well, didn't you know?' said Lazareline. "'He's here, of course.' He came to town yesterday and is asking about you everywhere. And to think of you and me being here together and his not knowing anything about it. Oh, it's the funniest thing I've ever heard. And she went off into giggles. She always had been a terrible giggler, as Erebus now remembered. It isn't funny at all, she said. It's dreadfully serious. Where can you hide me? Oh, no difficulty at all, my dear girl, said Lazareline. I'll make you, I'll take you home. My husband's away and no one will see you. Woo! It's not much fun with the curtains drawn. I want to see people. There's no point in having a new dress on if no one's going to go about and shut up like this. I hope no one heard you when you shouted out to me like that, said Erebus. No, no, of course, darling, said Lazareline absent-mindedly. But you haven't told me yet what you think of the dress. 
Another thing, said Erebus. You must tell your people to treat those two horses very respectfully. That's part of the secret. They're really talking horses from Narnia. Fancy, said Lazareline. How exciting! And, oh, darling, have you seen the barbarian queen from Narnia? She's staying in Tashban at present. They say Prince Rabadash is madly in love with her. There have been the most wonderful parties and hunts and things all this last fortnight. I can't see that she's so very pretty myself. But some of the Narnia men are lovely. I was taken out on a river party the day before yesterday, and I was wearing my... How shall we prevent your people telling everyone that you've got a visitor dressed like a beggar's brat in your house? It might so easily get around to my father. Now don't keep on fussing, there's a dear, said Lazareline. We'll get you some proper clothes in a moment. And here we are. The bearers had stopped and the litter was being lowered. When the curtains had been drawn, Erebus found that she was in a courtyard garden, very much like the one that Shasta had been taken to a few minutes earlier in another part of the city. Lazareline would have gone indoors at once, but Erebus reminded her in a frantic whisper to say something to the slaves about not telling anyone of their mistress' strange visitor. "'Sorry, darling, it had gone right out of my head,' said Lazareline. "'Here, all of you, and you, doorkeeper, no one is to be let out of the house today, and anyone I catch walking about this young lady will be first beaten to death and then burned alive, and after that be kept on bread and water for six weeks. There!' Although Lazareline had said she was dying to hear Erebus's story, she showed no sign of really wanting to hear it at all. She was, in fact, much better at talking than at listening. She insisted on Erebus having a long and luxurious bath, Calamine baths are famous, and then dressing her up in the finest clothes before she could let her explain anything. The fuss she made about choosing the dresses nearly drove Erebus mad. She remembered now that Lazareline had always been like that, interested in clothes and parties and gossip. Erebus had always been more interested in bows and arrows and horses and dogs and swimming. You will guess that each thought the other silly, but when at last they were both seated after a meal, it was chiefly of the whipped cream and jelly and fruit and ice sort, in a beautiful pillared room which Erebus would have liked better if Lazareline's spoiled pet monkey hadn't been climbing about it all the time. Lazareline at last asked her why she was running away from home. When Erebus had finished telling her story, Lazareline said, but, darling, why don't you marry Ahoshta Tarkin? Everyone's crazy about him. My husband says he is beginning to be one of the greatest men in Kalerman. He has just made Grand Vizier. Now old Azartha has died. Didn't you know? I don't care. I can't stand the sight of him, said Erebus. But, darling, only think. Three palaces and one of them, that beautiful one down on the lake at Ilkeen, positively ropes of pearls, I'm told. Baths of Aziz milk and you'd see such a lot of me. He can keep his pearls and palaces as far as I'm concerned, said Erebus. You always were a queer girl, Erebus, said Lazareline. What, what more do you want? In the end, however, Erebus managed to make her friend believe that she was in earnest and even to discuss the plans. There would be no difficulty now about getting the two horses out of the north gate and then on to the tombs. No one would stop or question a groom in fine clothes, leading a war horse and a lady saddled down to the river. And Lazareline had plenty of grooms to send. It wasn't so easy to decide what to do about Erebus herself. She suggested that she could be carried out in the litter with the curtains drawn, but Lazareline told her that litters were only used in the city and the sight of one going out through the gate would be certain to lead questions. When they had talked for a long time, and it was all the longer because Erebus found it hard to keep her friend to the point, at last Lazareline clapped her hands and said, Oh, I have an 
idea. There was one way of getting over or out of the city without using the gates. The Tisbrock's garden, may he live forever, runs right down to the water. And there is a little water door, only for the palace people, of course. But then, you know, dear, here she tittered a little, we almost are palace people. I say it is lucky for you that you came to me. The dear Tisrock, may he live forever, is so kind. We're asked to the palace almost every day, and it is like a second home. I love all the dear princes and princesses, and I positively adore Prince Rabadash. I might run in and see any of the palace ladies at any hour of the day or night. Why shouldn't I slip in with you after dark and let you out by the water door? There are always a few punts and things tied up outside, and even if we were caught, all would be lost, said Erebus. Oh, darling, don't get so excited, said Lazareline. I was going to say, even if we were caught, everyone would only say it was one of my mad jokes. I'm getting quite well known for them. Only the other day, do listen, dear, this is frightfully funny. I meant all would be lost for me, said Erebus a little sharply. Oh, uh, yes, <laughs> I do see what you mean, darling. Well, can you think of any better plan? Erebus couldn't, and answered, No, we'll have to risk it. When can we start? Oh, not tonight, said Lazareline. Of course not tonight. There's a great feast on tonight, and I must start getting my hair done for it in a few minutes, and the whole place will be blaze of lights, and such a crowd, too. It would have to be tomorrow night. This was bad news for Erebus, but she had to make the best of it. The afternoon passed very slowly, and it was a relief when Lazareline went out to the banquet, for Erebus was very tired of her giggling and her talk about dresses and parties, weddings and engagements and scandals. She went to bed early, and that part she did enjoy. It was so nice to have pillows and sheets again. But the next day passed very slowly. Lazareline wanted to go back on the whole arrangement and kept on telling Erebus that Narnia was a country of perpetual snow and ice, inhabited by demons and sorcerers, and she was mad to think of going there. And with a peasant boy, too, said Lazareline. Darling, think of it. It's not nice. Erebus had thought of it a good deal, but she was so tired of Lazareline's silliness by now that, for the first time, she began to think that traveling with Shasta was really rather more fun than fashionable in life in Tashban. So she only replied, You forget that I'll be nobody just like him when we get to Narnia. And anyway, I promised. And to think, said Lazareline, almost crying, that if only you had sense you could be the wife of a grand vizier. Erebus went away to have a private word with the horses. You must go with the groom a little before sunset down to the tombs, she said. No more of those packs. You'll be saddled and bridled again. But there'll have to be food and wind saddlebags and a full water skin behind yours, Bree. The man has orders to let you both have a good long drink at the far side of the bridge. And then Narnia and the north, whispered Bree. But what if Shasta is not at the tombs? Wait for him, of course, said Erebus. I hope you've been quite comfortable. Never been stabled in my life, but if the husband of that tittering Tarkina friend of yours is paying his head groom to get the best oats, then I think the head groom is cheating him. Erebus and Lazarlane had supper in the pillared room. About two hours later, they were ready to start. Erebus was dressed to look like a superior slave girl in a great house and wore a veil over her face. They had agreed that if any questions were asked, Lazarlane would pretend that Erebus was a slave she was taking at a as a present to one of the princesses. The two girls went out on foot. A very, few minute, a very few minutes brought them to the palace gates. Here there were, of course, soldiers on guard, but the officer knew Lazareline quite well and called his men to attention and saluted. 
They passed at once into the hall of black marble. A fair number of courtiers, slaves, and others were still moving about here, but this only made the two girls less conspicuous. They passed out, passed on into the hall of pillars, and then into the hall of statues, and down the colonnade, passing the great beaten copper doors of the throne room. It was all magnificent beyond description, what they could see of it in the dim light of the lamps. Presently, they came out into the garden court, which sloped downhill in a number of terraces. On the far side of that, they came to the old palace. It had already grown almost dark, and now they found themselves in a maze of corridors lit only by occasional torches fixed in brackets to the walls. Lazareline halted at a place where you had to go either left or right. "'Go on, do go on,' whispered Erebus, whose heart was beating terribly, and who still felt that her father might run into them at any moment. "'I'm just wondering,' said Lazareline. "'I'm not absolutely sure which way to go from here.' I think it's the left. Yes, I'm almost sure it's the left. Oh, what fun this is. They took left. They took the left-hand way and found themselves in a passage that was hardly lit at all and which soon began going down steps. It's all right, said Lazareline. I'm sure we're right now. I remember these steps. But at the moment, a moving light appeared ahead. A second later, there appeared from round a distant corner the dark shapes of two men walking backwards and carrying tall candles, and of course it is only before royalties that people walk backwards. Erebus felt Lazareline grip her arm, that sort of sudden grip which is almost a pinch and which means that the person who is gripping you is very frightened indeed. Erebus thought it odd that Lazareline should be so afraid of the Tisrock if he were really such a friend of hers. But there was no time to go on thinking. Lazareline was hurrying her back to the top of the steps on tiptoe and groping wildly along the wall. Here's a door, she whispered. Quick! They went in, drew the door very softly behind them, and found themselves in pitch darkness. Erebus could hear by Lazareline's breathing that she was terrified. Tash preserved us, whispered Lazareline. What shall we do if he comes in here? Can we hide? There was a soft carpet under their feet. They groped forward into the room and blundered onto a sofa. Let's lie down behind it, whispered, whimpered Lazareline. Oh, I do wish we hadn't come. There was just room between the sofa and the curtained wall, and the two girls got down. Lazareline managed to get the better position and was completely covered. The upper part of Erebus' face stuck out beyond the sofa so that if anyone came into that room with a light and happened to look in exactly the right place, they could see her. But of course, because she was wearing a veil, what they saw would not only look like a forehead and a pair of would would not at once look like a forehead and a pair of eyes. Erebus shoved desperately to try to make Lazareline give her a little more room, but Lazareline, now quite selfish in her panic, fought back and pinched her feet. She gave it up and lay still, panting a little. Their own breath seemed dreadfully noisy, but there was no other noise. Is it safe? said Erebus, at last in the tiniest possible whisper. I. I, I think so, began Lazareline, but my poor nerves. And then came the most terrible noise they could have heard at that moment, the noise of the door opening. And then came light, and because Erebus couldn't get her head any further in behind the sofa, she saw everything. First came the two slaves, deaf and dumb, as Erebus rightly guessed, and therefore used as the most secret counsels, walk, walking backwards and carrying the candles. They took up their stand once at each end of the sofa, this was a good thing, for of course it was now harder for anyone to see Erebus once the slave was in front of her, and she was looking between his heels. Then came an old man, very fat, wearing a curious pointed cap by which she immediately knew that he was the Tisroc. 
The least of the jewels with which he was covered was worth more than all the clothes and weapons of the Narnian lords put together. But he was so fat, and such a mass of frills and pleats and bobbles and buttons and tassels and talismans that Erebus couldn't help thinking the Narnian fashions, at any rate for men, looked nicer. After him came a tall young man with a feathered and jeweled turban on his head and an ivory-sheathed scimitar at his side. He seemed very excited, and his eyes and teeth flashed fiercely in the candlelight. Last of all came a little humpbacked, wizened old man, in whom she recognized with a shudder the new grand vizier and her own betrothed husband, Ahoshta Tarkin himself. As soon as all three had entered the room and the door was shut, the Tisrog seated himself on the divan with a sigh of contentment. The young man took his place, standing before him, and the grand vizier got down on his knees and elbows and laid his face flat on the carpet. Hey, Katie's Corners listeners, thank you once again so much for listening to the Katie's Corner podcast, keeping up with the books and the chapters as we post them regularly. Um, With 2022, we have some new goals and new adventures that we're hoping to reach here at Katie's Corner. The biggest one is to build a community around what we have going here. So two things. If with whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on, if you could give us a rating, that would be amazing and help with our algorithm to reach more people who might vibe with the content here. But second of all, um, and probably the biggest thing that you can do for us is if you can head over to Instagram and search Katie's Corner with a Z instead of an S after the Katie. Find our page for the official Katie's Corner podcast that will have the same profile picture as what you see on the official podcast. Um, And then if you could give us a follow, like the content that's there if you vibe with it. But most importantly, if you could either through the DMs or through the comments underneath those posts, if you can tell us, tell me what you like about the podcast what you think we could improve on, um, that kind of stuff. Maybe even what books you would love to hear on the podcast. That would be a tremendous help to me and help start growing this community that I kind of hope we can do around this Katie's Corner podcast. So as always, keep reading, keep listening, and I hope you have a good day today. See you later.